Welcome back. I'm Brian, and this is my Bible study podcast. We're continuing our concurrent study through the books of Philippians and Ecclesiastes. These books kind of seek to point us toward an identity in God above the things of this world. Today we're in the book of Ecclesiastes, located in the Old Testament. The author of the book of Ecclesiastes, which is most notably attributed to being Solomon, has thus far described the futility of finding a superficial identity in things like our career, our possessions, in sex, and in money. Things that seem fulfilling, but that never prove enough to truly satisfy us. So the goal of all of this is not to conclude that there's no purpose in our life, but that our purpose and our joy should instead stem from an identity rooted in God, in fearing the Lord, in obeying his word, in trusting in Jesus. This week we talk about how an identity founded in worldly things has kind of a hard time giving up control, but then an identity that's firmly rooted in God trusts in God's timing above all else. So time and God, they're two pretty eternal subjects. Estes declares that humans are bound by time, but that we are wired for eternity. Today's episode covers the first half of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and then Thursday's episode will cover Philippians 1 verses 19 and 20. We'll cover the reality of every human event and season of life which can transpire under heaven. We'll chat about God's timing and God's sovereignty. We'll see that trusting in our own control of situations is a path to disappointment. When through worldly pursuits we fight against God's sovereignty and against God's design, then we're going to feel frustration and futility. This is contrasted against how trusting in God's perfect timing can provide unparalleled contentment and peace. I pray that studying this passage will provide us with a reminder of how big our God is how much he is in control, and of how the cross is the ultimate display of God's perfect, sovereign timing. So the introduction to the famous poem about time that starts in verse 2 of this chapter, it kind of lays out an all-encompassing outline. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. So this verse is bracketed by everything. Everything in this world has its events and its time appointed. And if you're willing to acknowledge that God is in control of the timing of events, then this verse answers the question, what is God sovereign over? The answer is everything. Nothing is by chance. Nothing is by accident. Everything happens on a divine timeline. The poem that comes next is going to challenge us. It's going to challenge our prideful self-sovereignty and especially challenge the current cultural trend that we are in control of our own destinies. We are not. There is a time for everything and that timing is God's. This applies to creation, to birth, to events, and to death. God set forth the timeline of creation. God set the orbital and rotational patterns of the earth itself. Psalm 139 says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. And Job 14 verse 5 says that a person's days are determined, that God has decreed the number of his months, and that God has set limits that man cannot exceed. Even the days of our lives have been timed out by God. 
So we need to go into the next section of the passage recognizing that if God is in control of global creation, of our individual creation, and of death itself, that God is also in control of all other situations that we can lay down our version of control of and trust in him. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 2 through 8. So if you go into this poem thinking that the life of a faithful Christian would be full of worldly blessings, then you'll probably be encouraged by the statements of laughter and dancing and healing. But you'll probably be struggling with the flip side of the message of there being a time for mourning or weeping or death. Like, if you go through this entire poem, there's two sides to each statement. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, a time to uproot. It just continues to flip through. We're not going to go through each of the statements just for time's sake. But this poem is not saying that human beings are pre-programmed robots living out the life that our software confines us to without us having like any actual ability to think for ourselves. But, as Thomas Schreiner states, the teacher is presenting a beautiful depiction of God's absolute control of all events under heaven, and then that humans must respond to life as it occurs, like we need to be ready. There's an order to everything, and that order is provided by God alone. Again, though, this is not a ho-hum declaration about the pointless sands of time falling slowly in the hourglass of our lives. Like, remember chapter 2 ended with a passage instructing us to fear God and to enjoy the blessings that God had provided us. Those blessings, they're not confined to only the quote-unquote happy events of our lives. The blessings of God include every season of our life. To hammer home the theme of this entire study, it's about having an identity that transforms our outlook. So instead of looking toward the results of events for our joy, we need to look to the creator of all events as the source of our joy. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Ecclesiastes 3 verses 9 through 13. So humans want to know everything. We seek to comprehend infinite issues through our own finite lenses. And no matter how hard we try, we're never going to get there. After all, Solomon already has concluded that an identity wrapped around wisdom for wisdom's sake, that's just vanity. It's hevel. It's chasing after the wind. In verse 11, we're reminded of that. 
He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He comes back to that identity thing. There is a time for everything under the sun, as we read in verses 1 through 8. But true contentment and joy through all the seasons of life, that stems from a life of submission to who God is. We're also reminded that even though we're called to live within God's timing, we're also called to enjoy the life that God has presented us. But enjoying the pleasures that God provides each day does not mean we idolize or we find identity in those pleasures. We need to remember who provides them, and we need to make Him the source of our identity. We are called to enjoy life within the confines of godly wisdom and biblical decision-making. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away. God does it so that people will fear Him. Ecclesiastes 3.14 So listen to that part again. Everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away. Contrary to some popular songs out today, we are not masters of our own destinies. We don't control the universe. The idea sounds nice to us, but if control is God's job, and we constantly try to wrestle that control away from God, what we're actually doing is we're actually trying to elevate ourselves to be God's. Solomon provides a perspective here that is designed to humble us before the Lord, to lead us to fear God, to obey God's word, and to recognize God's sovereignty. There is no more ultimate display of God's sovereignty and his perfect timing than the cross itself. Philip Ryken describes that from his birth to his death and then on to his resurrection, Jesus did everything timely in his saving work. He was never late and never early, but was always right on time. From beginning to end, God's sovereignty over time and eternity is perfectly and gloriously displayed in the life and work of Jesus Christ. Galatians 4.4 starts, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son. Romans 5.6 declares that you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God controls the timing of death, but also, as we see with Jesus, God controls and conquers death itself. We are called to trust that God is sovereign over times. Psalm 31, starting in verse 14, states, But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. And this means giving up control. Recognizing that Jesus' time is still perfect. And that includes his second coming. It involves giving up our desire to control all situations and trusting that Jesus instead commands our submission, our humility, and our obedience And those are the things that are the essence of what it means to fear the Lord. I'll close with a few words from Jesus himself about timing. In Mark 1.15, Jesus declares that the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the message of this passage is not to be fearful over life's events, but to instead turn towards the one who defeated death, the one who controls life's timing and life's events, the one who can provide eternal life and everlasting joy. Thanks for listening.
Unless otherwise noted, all Bible verses were from the New International Version, the NIV Bible Translation, copyright 2011 by Biblica Inc. Next episode, we're diving into Philippians chapter 1, and we're only going to cover two verses, verses 19 and 20. Until then, though, I love y'all.